You know, <clears throat> I truly believe this with all my heart. We are a byproduct of an incredible community of faith that's been around for over 35 years, led by our senior pastor, Pastor Stephen Boyce, who has paved the way and pioneered the way for us. And I always tell people that there's no way we would be here, first of all, and we would see what we've seen if it wasn't for the covering that we have over us. I truly believe that is the secret sauce of the blessing of God, is to have the right covering over your life. Lindsay and I feel extremely blessed to be able to have such great pastors and to be able to have such great community around us. And that's why today, as we celebrate seven years, I couldn't think of a better person to come and share the word of God with us than, than Pastor Steve's son, Pastor Jordan Boyce, from Awakening Church. Pastor Jordan and Sam have done a phenomenal job leading the way in Rhode Island, but really reaching the globe in so many ways. It's so powerful. And the reason, I, I need to fill you in for a second why this is so personal to us and why it means so much because I've known this young man since he was around 15 years old. I was his teacher in high school and when he was about 16, he had an amazing encounter with Jesus that shifted us, all of us, for the better. And, and I remember being in a place in my life where I wasn't sure what was next for me. And this young man at 16 was able to prophesy and convince me to become the youth pastor of New Life Worship Center at 16. And, and since then, our relationship has been so critical in my life. And listen, I believe this, his mission, his vision for the youth back then created one of the greatest youth movement in the history of New England, Awakening Conference. That will go down in the history of church history in this region. And he went all over the world. And today they are the global pastors of Awakening. People tune in from all over the world to hear the gospel through him. And so for us, this is extremely personal and, and special to have them here this morning to share the word with us. You know, every time we talk, we talk every few weeks, and I always have to look at my schedule and say, do I have an hour? Because I know we're going to talk for an hour, and we talk about any, everything under the sun because we just, God has just afforded us to have that type of relationship. So I couldn't think of a better person to come and push us into this next year. So help me welcome Pastor Jordan as he comes and shares the word with us. Come on, let's give it up for your pastors, Pastors Marco and Lindsay. Come on, let's thank them for their vision. Come on, let's thank them that they didn't give up. Let's thank them. And thank you. Seven years is a, a huge deal. And to see what God has done in seven years is incredible. But we know that God's not done. That This is just the beginning of what God is doing. And so we honor your leadership, and we thank you for it. And I'm, I'm truly thankful to be here. I, I want, to, uh, want to welcome everyone joining us online in Fall River. I'm glad that you're joining us as well. My dad wanted me to say hello to everybody and tell, him, tell you that he's praying for you. And he told, me, uh, he told me that you are a rowdy bunch. He said, get ready, because they're wild. So your reputation precedes you. Are you ready for the word of God this morning? Let's go. You can have a seat and maybe just tell the person next to you, get ready for the word. He's speaking to you. My wife is here with me today, Samantha, my beautiful wife. We've been married for almost nine years. We have two children. Our son Judah is six, and our son Micah is three, and uh, hopefully more. We're hoping to get the, uh, the DeBarros anointing on us and just have more and more kids, just an amazing amount of kids. 
But uh, we're, we're so honored to be here, truly, truly honored to be here. And Pastor Marco is one of my closest friends, the best man in my wedding, my youth pastor. And, uh, and it's, it's just amazing to see what God is doing. And I'm thankful to be able to stand and witness it with you all. And I believe that God has so much more to, to do. And I believe that God's given me a word to speak to you today as we look towards the future. Today I want to talk to you from the subject, Go Again. The title of my sermon is Go Again. Again, we're going to read a couple verses from two different portions of Scripture, and then, uh, then we'll see what God has to say. We're going to begin in the book of First Kings. We see the man named Elijah. We enter in halfway into the story, and I'll kind of catch you up in a little bit. But Elijah and King Ahab are, are in the midst of a, uh, of, of a moment, and Elijah says to Ahab, the king, in First Kings 18, verse 41, he says, Go up, eat and drink. For there is a sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. But Elijah, he went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth. And he put his face between his knees. And Elijah began to pray. And he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and he looked at the sea. And then he said, there is nothing. So Elijah said, go again. Seven times, go again. And the verse goes on to say, And at the seventh time, he said, Behold, a little cloud, like a man's hand, is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you, because it's coming. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. I want to read one more verse to you out of the book of James James says this in chapter 5, verse 17. He said, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Don't miss this. One translation says, Elijah was a man just like you or I. He he was a human being, just a person with a nature just like ours. But then he goes on, but he says, and he prayed fervently. What set him apart? He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again. And heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Today I want to talk to you about prayerful perseverance. Or perseverance in prayer, by prayer, through prayer. And I want to encourage you, challenge you today to go to God again. Let's pray together, Holy Spirit, right now. We invite you into this place. God, come challenge us and convict us. Encourage us and redirect us. Right now, God, we give this moment to you, completely yours. No distractions, nothing else going on. We we, we take this as a sacrifice and put it before you, and we open our hearts and our minds, our ears, our mouths. We open ourselves to you. So right now, Holy Spirit, will you come and speak? Speak to your people. We desire to hear from you. In Jesus' mighty name, all God's people said, Amen. amen and amen. This story takes place in the context of a greater story between Ahab, Jezebel, and Elijah. You may know these characters from Scripture. Ahab was the king of Israel. He was anointed and appointed to lead God's people. And, and, uh, but the Bible tells us he was a wicked king, and, and he, he, he served only himself. He, he didn't lead God's people towards righteousness. And, and he, he takes a wife named Jezebel... And she was from a foreign land. She didn't serve Jehovah. She, she actually served the god Baal. And, and God had given strict instructions to his people saying, I don't want the intermingling of cultures because you don't believe the same. And, and, and make no mistake, two cannot walk in the same direction if they don't serve the same god. Jezebel didn't serve the same god. And, and more than that, she, she had a manipulative, conniving spirit on her. And, and I want you to know Jezebel is a spirit that, that doesn't just come on women. It can come on men as well. And, and so with Ahab. But wherever you see a Jezebel spirit, you always see an Ahab spirit. Ahab was an abdicator. He was the king, but he had nothing to say. He, he was supposed to be leading, righteous, worthy, but instead he was wicked and he was lazy. And because of his laziness, because he didn't step up, because he didn't lead, another spirit that was not of God began to rise up from Jezebel and take over the land of Israel. And all of the people began to be, be brought away from serving and worshiping God. And, 
They began to serve Baal, serve themselves. They became spiritually dry and, and, and lost, the lost people. And, 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 and make no mistake, that doesn't, just happen, that doesn't just happen then. That can happen now, not just to them. That can happen to us. It can happen to our culture. It can happen to the church. Ahab was supposed to be the pastor, the leader of the church. But when he stepped down, another God said, well, I'll step up. But here's the good news. God always has a plan. God brings in Elijah. Elijah is a picture of an awakened church. It's a picture of a church that has something to say, that knows the word of God and is bold and unashamed in the proclamation of the word of God. Elijah has a showdown between Jezebel and Ahab. He comes and he pronounces, prophesies that for three and a half years, there's going to be no rain. There's going to be, there's going to be a, a supernatural drought. What's interesting is there was a physical drought, but it, there was also a spiritual drought. Understand they always go together. Understand when you remove yourself from God's hand of covering, you always go into a place of want. When you remove yourself from God's blessing, you always go into a place of, of drought and dryness and need. Pastor Marco said the secret sauce to this church is that you remained under the covering of God. When you stand under his covering, there's, that's where the favor and the blessings begin to go. But when they turn their back on God, God said, fine, you provide for yourself then. You save yourself then. And, and a drought came on the land, but God loved his people enough to not leave them dry forever. And if you feel spiritually dry, if you feel like you got nothing left to give, if you feel like you, you, you haven't heard from God, you came to the right place today. God has a word for you today. Because God always will raise a voice to challenge mediocrity. And it should be the voice of the church. Elijah rises up and, and he has a showdown between Jezebel, Ahab, and, and, uh, and himself for the hearts of the people. They gather at Mount Carmel and, and, and the whole nation gathers there. You might know this story. It's famous. It's incredible. There's 450 false prophets of Baal on their side versus Elijah standing alone, which usually is the statistic that God kind of goes with. It's always like one against a majority. It, like, look at Gideon, it's 300. Look at David and, and Goliath. God, God always loves to make the odds impossible so that when he shows up, he gets all the glory. That you know it wasn't you. That you know it was him all along. One verse 450, the 450 false prophets of Baal, they shouted, they screamed, they tried to get the attention for their God that, so that their God would accept their sacrifice. But there was only silence because in the end, all the idolatry, all, all, the, all those institutions, what man serves cannot save man. But Elijah began to pray, the Bible says. And at one prayer, fire came from heaven and invaded earth. Heaven opened up at the sound of Elijah's prayer and invaded earth and accepted that sacrifice. The Bible says in one moment, the people woke up. They realized who the true God was, that they were deceived, that they were let down, that they were led astray by their leaders. And they woke up and they began to shout, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The nation was rescued. The souls of the nation was realigned in a moment towards God. And they eliminated the prophets of Baal that had led them astray, eliminated them from the life of the nation. And, and, and here we find ourselves in the story. After the fire has come down, what next? Because there's still a problem. There's still no rain. Even though God showed up, even though people's hearts had been changed, there was still no restoration. There's still no revival, still no favor. There was still no blessing. And in that moment, what is the response of the church? What is the response of the spiritual leaders? The Bible says, so Elijah begins to pray. Elijah begins to pray. Prayer is the power to petition heaven. Prayer is the power to go before the throne, to supersede the natural and enter into the supernatural. Prayer is your uh, ability to do what you could never do, not because of yourself, but be because of an answer from God. Elijah began to pray. Hear me, prayer is our first response, not our last resort. I've heard it said, after having done all, every try, after trying everything else, then pray. No, prayer is our first response, not our last resort. We start in prayer. 
And I hope that you move from praying to being a prayerful person. That your lifestyle becomes one of active engagement. Prayer should be a dialogue. God wants to hear the things that you can't work through and help you work through them. At the beginning of this year, we began to see a need in, in our church, same in this region. I, Pastor Marco showed me the food pantry that you have, so amazing. We saw the need for food, and, and families, hundreds, calling the church, needing. And we didn't have any connections. We're just a church. We weren't a food pantry, but we wanted to answer the need. What did we do? We didn't, we didn't you know, strategize calling all our contacts. Well, we did do that, to be honest, and nothing, nothing happened. We could not make it happen on our own. We couldn't even get an email back from the food pantry. Nothing. But we began to pray. When we began to pray, God began to open doors that we couldn't have imagined. People called. People called and said, we're wondering, we, we got this email, we're wondering if you still want to receive food. We have two tractor trailer trucks a week of food that we want thousands of pounds, 4,000 boxes. Can you take them? We said, absolutely. We took them. We got them out. to. They called again. How about four boxes a week? We said, absolutely. Every week we were feeding thousands of people, but it wasn't because of our strength or our brilliance or engineering or our strategy. It's because when we could not get an answer, we prayed to God and through supernatural circumstances, one, when that thing ended, we said, we're all out of food. We're all, this program is done. Someone called me in the middle of the night said hey uh, I was in a meeting I work for a food company I was in a meeting someone mentioned they need uh, an outpost in Rhode Island to get food to people he said I grew up in Rhode Island I used to go to your church do you have a parking lot that we could use and I said you called the right guy prayer will open doors that you could never strategize on your own it is what God does. And, and, and sometimes in our desire for action, we want to go to institutions, want to go to our friends, want to go to people and say, tell me what to do. But I'm telling you, when you can go to a higher level and go to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, God will step off his throne and step into the situation. And when God has a say, it doesn't matter what man says. It doesn't matter what the economy says. It doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter what your own negativity says. When God has a say. Make no mistake, rain is going to come again. Elijah went to the only one that could bring rain. He went to the source of all rain. And when you pray, hear me, heaven hears. And heaven will move on your behalf. Didn't we learn in 2020, one of the lessons we learned through this season is how to get alone with God how to pray. We learned a lot of things. We saw a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff we didn't even want to see. A lot of things we didn't want to learn. But one thing we did learn is how to pray to a mighty God. I want you to hear me. You are not a victim of 2020. You're a veteran of 2020. You're a veteran of 2020. Hey, you made it through. You made it through. You've got some new tactics now. You got some new strength now. You know how to persevere through some things. You know how to overcome some things. The mere fact that you are here on a Sunday morning means that the enemy lost. The enemy lost. You are in the right place for the supernatural. I thank God for 2020. No amens on that. Didn't think there was going to be any. I thank God that he let me go through it, that he grew us up that you got some brothers, some sisters in arms around you. You got a crew that you know who to go to. You got some people that know how to have faith. You are stronger than you even know that you are when you're partnered with God Almighty. And that's what Elijah begins to do. He, the Bible says that he gets down on his hands and knees and he, and he puts his face into the ground. He gets in the fetal position. It, it, he takes on the posture of desperation because some prayers can't be prayed on your feet. Some prayers got to be prayed on your knees. There are some situations that you can't throw a quick prayer up for. There are some situations where you got to go to God again and again, lay out before God and say, God, if you don't show up, I am desperate right now. You're praying for your keys, you can pray on your feet. But when you're praying for your kids, you begin to get on your knees. You say, God, protect them. God, use them, form them. God will teach you how to pray as you begin to pray. And 
And, and, and here's Elijah, not looking to the right or the left, not, 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 not caring what anyone else is doing. He's going before the only one that can show up in this moment. He so desperately needs God. But where's Ahab? Where's the king? Shouldn't the king be the one representing the people before God? Aren't you our representative? You failed us. There's no leadership, no direction. Where's Ahab? Come to find out he's, fa- he's feasting. He's eating. But Elijah's fasting. The king's feasting, but Elijah's fasting. Look at the contrast. I could preach a whole sermon on leadership right here. When it comes down to a desperate moment, what's going what's to be your response? Are you going to care for yourself or are you going to come before God and say, God, this is my church. God, this is my nation. God, these are my people. God, these are the needs. God, I'm not hungry until you bless me. I'm not moving on. Like Jacob says, I'm not done wrestling until you give me what I want. And God says, oh, it's going to be like that then. Well, then let me make you stronger. Let me give you a new identity. You used to be Jacob. Now I'm going to call you Israel because you wrestled with God and man. You didn't give up. You didn't let up. You pushed through. God's teaching you something this year. Understand, God's building depth in you this year. This church, the roots are going deeper and deeper so that whatever storm may come, this tree is not falling over. It's going to stand proud. It's going to have fruit. We, we can't, we, we, we know that we can't take our, 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 our direction from Ahab any longer, church. I'm not looking to other churches to find out what we should do. We're not looking to society or to industry or to the economy or, 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 to, or to the educational system to figure out what is our response going to be. No longer. 2020 has been a sifting. God has separated culture out of you, and thank God for it. Thank God for the sifting. Thank God for the separating. (laughs) Hear me. You are different. You are different. You look different. You act different. You believe different. You are different. The sooner you accept that, wear it as a badge of honor. And people say, you're not acting like us. You're right I'm not acting. I'm not acting like you. I'm not filled with fear. I'm not worried about the future. I'm not consumed with anxiety. I'm not overcome with depression. Make no mistake. I am going to be different. Why? Because my posture is different. I'm coming before the King of Kings. I'm coming before the Lord of Lords. I'm here on Sunday. I'm surrendered on Sunday. Why? Because first things first, God. That's why I tithe. I can't understand why would you tithe because you don't understand the posture of desperation. I'm coming before God and saying, first my worship, first my finances, first my children to you and you alone. And let's see who's blessed. Let's see who's blessed. For when you come under the covering God, rain begins to pour. The world has nothing for you. But Jesus is your everything. Amen. Leonard Ravenhill, the great teacher, puts it like this. He he says this in this great quote, quit playing, start praying. Quit feasting, start fasting. Talk less with men, talk more with God. Listen less to men, listen to the words of God. You just got out of two weeks of prayer and fasting. I want you to know that gets the attention of heaven. You have, you have become discoverable to God when you have prayed and you have fasted. He is on the throne, but I believe he's looking over and he sees a bright spot down in New Bedford and he says, still praying, still believing, still showing up, still having church. It gets the attention of God. We're not going to lay back and say whatever is, whatever, whatever is, is whatever will be. That is not us and that is not faith. We are going to pray our way through through it. And you know what I love? You, you could have had the excuse of saying, you know, 2020 was difficult enough. Felt like all last year was a fast. I don't need to fast. I went through 2020. But the fact that you actually did it, I believe is righteous, it's holy, it's principled. It gets the attention of heaven, and God loves to show off to those that need him to show up. Amen? But I would, I, would, I would ask you to go deeper with me for a moment, deeper into what prayer is, and add to your asking, seeking. Add to your asking, seeking. Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. There's levels to dependence on God. There's levels to faith. 
Some people think prayer is just, just that. You, you pray real quick and then, and then we'll, we'll see what happens. But, but God's saying, I, I don't want you to just speak. I want you to search. You don't just say. Understand prayer is not just saying. It's searching. Remember when Jesus, he gave us the model. He tells his disciples, could you not watch and pray even for one hour? Because you have to understand prayers that are worthy of being prayed are, also, are, are, are worthy of us searching for the answer. Let me put it this way. If you don't search for the answer, then the prayer should have never been prayed. But when you begin to search for the answer, that proves that the prayer was real. That proves that you got faith. That proves that expectation is involved. What am I talking about? I'm, I'm talking about searching. Uh, Elijah says, I'm going to pray, but he tells his, his, his disciple, but you go and you search for a sign from God. He says, go look towards the sea. Begin to, begin to await the presence and the power and the reality of God. What is he talking about? The power of expectation. That's faith, that the servants search for a sign from God. Hebrews 11 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. See, it's the evidence of things that we don't yet see, but we will one day. When you, when you begin to search, when you begin to seek, you're saying, God, this is for real. This is why I always encourage people, when you pray, pray specifically. Because then when God answers, you can say, oh, you answered specifically. When you pray a prayer like, God, save the world. God's like, I already told you. The world has to turn towards me. I love the world. I already gave you the answer to that prayer. Pray more specifically. God, save my cousin. Perfect. Go witness to him. Oh. You understand there's two sides to this. Prayer is a dialogue. Prayer is interactive. It's, you have to add to your prayer per persistence, perseverance, expectation. On the way here, I, I drove under like a, an underpass, and there was a big sign. I never noticed it before, but it said signal ahead. And, and, and the, the reason is because on, on this highway, you would never think that there would be a red light in the middle of this like three-lane highway. So they have to prepare you to look for the signs. So they put another sign, and they say, hey, there's a signal in, ahead. So begin to watch, begin to, begin to search for this signal so that you don't crash into everybody. I, I'm here today to just be a signpost to tell you there's a signal ahead. Keep your eyes up. Keep your faith up. Keep your hope up. God will answer you. He hears your prayers. He looks upon this church. There are signs coming in the next season. I believe you will see signs even supernatural that you could read about in the book of Acts. I believe signs of healing are coming. Signs of prophecy are coming. Signs of his spirit are coming. You're going to have church services that are so powerful. They're going to last two hours. They're going to feel like a moment. You say, what the heck just happened? God says, that was me. I'm giving you a sign that I'm showing up. That I'm hearing. Hear me. You're going to have dreams and visions, but you got to ask. Search. Search for the signs. Don't let anyone shame you into you not searching for a sign from God because it makes you look weird. Now, look, I, look, understand, don't try and make every coincidence a sign from God. You turn on the radio and they say, right now, you can go get a car. And you're like, that's God's voice. I need a new car. That's God's the Holy Spirit speaking audibly to me. Where are you, Lord? It's like, no, nah, that's the radio. That, that's an ad. That's, that's not the voice of God. That's the voice of Honda. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. But I am talking about signs from God. Where will you get signs from God? Well, if you're searching, you'll get a sign in the word of God. It will be confirmed by godly counsel people around you. Where will you get a sign from God? You'll get a sign from God in the community of believers. You'll get a sign from God in the middle of the night. He'll wake you up and tell you something. I would even encourage you ask for dreams because he'll give you dreams in the middle of the night, supernatural dreams. But then have a notebook next to you so that you don't forget your dream. What's that notebook? That's expectation. I'm going to pray for a dream, but I actually am going to pray for one. And when I get one, I'm going to write it down. See, you got to understand, you got to pray and act in preparation. Prepare for God to answer your prayer. Elijah prays, but he says, it's not good enough for me to pray. You go watch. Why? Because God's going to answer. And I want to know the moment something shows up. The servant comes back, tells Elijah, there's nothing. That's it. There's nothing. 
come on. You can't give them something better than that. There's nothing. At least come back and be like, I don't see anything yet. But I did just see fire from heaven come down when you prayed like 20 minutes ago. So I think you're going to be good. Keep praying. Come on, keep on, keep on. He just comes back with just a negative report. There's nothing. I don't see anything. No good news. There's no hope. Seems to be no move of God. There is nothing. Seems like that's, that's the voice we've been hearing all year. There's no good news. Seemingly no direction. We're wondering, where is God? And Are you here? Are you hearing? There's nothing is the response. Time and again, comes back, says negative. What do you do when you don't see what you expect? What do you do when you pray, but you don't see God's answer the way you thought, in the timing that you thought, in the, in the moment that you were hoping for? What do you do when you don't get what you were expecting from God? You prayed, but your husband's still unsaved. You prayed, you still lost the child. You prayed, but you can't mend the relationship. You prayed, but your child is still a long way off from God. What do you do when you pray and you don't see God answer in the way that you would have wanted? See, this is where the enemy wants to come in. This is where the enemy wants to come in and in that moment get you to give up. This is where the enemy wants you to put your faith not in God, but in what you see. Remember what Elijah said? I can hear the sound of rain. I can sense it. I can sense it. You have to be careful to not move your faith from what you can sense to what you can see. Because faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things I don't yet see, but I can sense it. In the quiet of the night, I can hear God move. I, I don't understand everything that's going on, but I know that God is still for me and he's still with me. Here's a question I have for you. Will you agree with a negative report? Will you agree with 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 the statements coming over your mind, there's nothing we can do. There's nowhere we can go. There's no way that you can be used. Will you acquiesce? Because the temptation in this moment is a temptation every person in the Bible has had to fight through. The test of demoralization, which always leads to defeat. The enemy wants to come into that moment of waiting and begin to turn it against you and turn it against God. And His goal is that your faith would die in the delay. The enemy comes in on Saturday. Good Friday just happened. Saturday we're waiting. The enemy wants to come in and say, the body is dead. The tomb is sealed. Nothing's going to happen. Let your faith die down. You know, what's interesting is Judas agreed with that, and he took his life. But if Judas could have just waited another day, he could have been forgiven. Peter betrayed him too. Don't forget. And Peter was forgiven. If Judas could have just waited but he agreed with the word of the enemy that it's over, it's done, you're irredeemable. It's, 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 it's not in the will of God anymore. But I'm here to tell you that Sunday is coming. Resurrection Sunday is coming. That the stone is going to be rolled away. That the king is going to take his throne. I, I want to I challenge you. I want to beg you to not give up in the waiting. Keep pressing. Keep moving towards God. There, there are so many answered prayers that I've seen that didn't take one week, one month, one year, but took decades to happen. But after all that time, God says, see, I was working, just not in your timing. Because you got to understand with prayer, things are not always as they seem. Things are not always as they seem. God, prayer works in another dimension. When you pray, it leaves this dimension. It leaves space. It leaves the fourth dimension. It leaves time. And it goes into another dimension. And we don't, we don't even know how it works over there. We don't know how it works beyond the veil. But when you pray, understand that it goes out there. It goes before the throne and God begins to make his decisions. I mean, you ever read the book of Daniel, Daniel 9 and 10? Daniel's fasting and he's praying. And one day an angel shows, shows up and, and the angel says, Daniel, man of God, highly esteemed, I'm here with an answer for your prayer. He had been praying for 21 days. And finally the angel shows up. And the angel says, the moment you prayed, God heard. And he gave me a response. 
But I had to fight my way through the prince of Persia and demonic strongholds that were coming against your prayer. And I had to call in another angel to help me battle through. This is in the Bible. And I had to push through. And I finally got here. And here's the response from God. When you pray, all of heaven is fighting on your behalf. God is shifting the universe around you. The angel gives him his response, and the angel says, now i got to go back and fight my way out of this, so keep praying. I want you to understand that we don't understand how it works naturally because it's not natural. When you pray, when you push, when you believe, when you have faith, you enter into the realm of the kingdom of God. It works differently, but understand it works. So don't lose your faith in the in-between. Just because you cannot see an immediate effect, does not mean that your prayers are ineffective. Does not mean that your faith is for naught. With God, no answer does not mean that the answer is no. Keep pushing. Keep believing. Keep your joy up. Keep your faith for the in-between. I think the servant did one wise thing. He kept coming back to the prophet. I think that was really smart. Because he said, there's nothing, but at least I'm going to get I'm going to get next to someone that's got faith too. Come on, that's what church is. Every Sunday I come around you and you come around each other and your faith begins to rise up. I thank God that this church has persevered through this whole year because we keep coming together. We keep worshiping together. Crews encouraging each other. Small groups and what God is doing. What is it? It's the servant and the prophet coming together to receive a better word. And when the servant comes to the prophet says, what should I do? Give up? Stop looking? Stop searching? That's in that critical moment where the prophet prophesies uh, what I'm believing God is calling me to tell you today. He says, go again. Well, there's nothing. Go again. Well, God hasn't shown up. Go again. Well, there's still lost, still unsaved, still no answer. Go again, go again, go again, go again. When you refuse to give up, it gets God's attention. There is a power in persistent prayer. Jesus tells a parable in Luke 18 about a, a, a widow, and, and, and she was poor. She had no money, but, but then an injustice had been done to her. So she, she goes to the court, but the court wouldn't see her because she couldn't bribe her way in. But Jesus told this parable to, to teach his disciples how to pray and not lose heart. Jesus said, but this woman didn't give up. She kept going back every day before the court, every day before the judge. Now, now this judge, he, he wasn't a man of God. He didn't fear God and he didn't fear man. He didn't care about his reputation. He didn't care about God. He didn't care about anybody. But this woman kept coming back. And finally one day, the judge has had enough. He says, you know what? I don't care about this woman getting her justice. But she's bugging me so much. I'm going to rule in her favor just to get her out of here. And Jesus says, understand that that is an unrighteous judge, but there is a righteous judge in heaven. And when you go before that righteous God again and again and again, God will rule in your favor. But he leaves the parable off with the question. He says, but when I return, will I find faith? Will I find that fight? Will I find that persistence? Will I find people that won't give up even when it gets difficult? Will I find the people that will go again? I'm thankful that you have a pastor. You have a pastor like that. You have pastors that practice this principle. You know, a lot of people don't know. Pastor Marco was a youth pastor for a long time, and he used to drive a bus, go pick up the kids in his youth ministry, get them all in, drop them off, get them out. Then he preached to them. Like, all right, get back in the bus. That's, that's incredible. That's no small thing. When he was our youth pastor, he brought us up to uh, winter camps. It was like negative 15 degrees. He would make us pray at like 5 in the morning. Like, what's happening here? I'm so thankful that he did those things. There was just 40 of us. It wasn't conferences. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't like this moment where everyone would say, yeah, that's worth it. Almost everyone would say, like, you know, there's other, there's other careers that you can do and hanging out with these kids. But I'm thankful that he was looking into our future. I'm thankful that he understood 
the concept of planting. Sometimes the seasons are long until there's a harvest. Of those 40 kids, I'm one of them. And, and I could tell you by name about the rest of the 40. Almost all of them are still serving God. They're still in the church. They're married, children in the church. They're leading legacy. They're leading Fall River. They're leading Awakening Church. They're here in this place. I'm thankful that, that you've got a leader that doesn't just look at the circumstances, but instead looks at God and pulls him into the circumstances. I'm thankful. We, were, we did amazing things together, but not everything we did worked. Well, one, one time we launched, we planted a church in, in Pawtucket, Ground Zero Pawtucket, and Shea, and the amount of work to set up that school was unbelievable. And no one could figure out why you were there. The principal was like, what are you doing here? Trying to help these kids. But Pastor Margo had a heart for young people to know God. And he went to that school and said, comes back and stands and preaches in that auditorium. This is incredible. The only problem is it just never, it never turned out the way we were hoping. All this work and, and there was no massive revival that broke out. It just, just kind of seemed to not catch, you know. And, and after a while we moved on and we tried other things. But I'm thankful that a year and a half later, when God called Pastor Marco to launch in New Bedford, he didn't base his decision based on the past. I'm thankful that you had a leader that heard from God and said, I'm going to go again. I'm going to plant again. I'm going to move again. I'm thankful that you have a leader that knows how, how to go before God and hear his word and push through difficulty. Now I'm standing in the harvest of seeds that were planted many, many years ago in difficult nights. People might come to this church and say, this church is an overnight success. Well, I was there during the night, and it was a long night. Yeah, what God did is miraculous. It's supernatural, but it's because you have pastors that went on this principle of prayerful perseverance that kept going to God, kept searching for truth, kept loving people, even when it was difficult and they were betrayed, they kept on loving and helping and serving. And then God says, now you planted in one field. I'll bring a harvest in another, but it's all my field. So this is what God has done. You are an answer to prayers prayed long, long ago. I have the keys. I have the band come up. We'll, we'll, we'll begin to close. This, this church, this is a product of prayerful perseverance. James says, Elijah prayed again. Again, he prayed. I want you to know, prayer, it produces in you the courage to persevere, to keep going. Six times, silence. Six times he went and he searched and there was no answer. Six times he looked for a cloud, saw nothing. Six times he could have given up. You know what the number of six is in the Bible? Six represents the number of man. Because in the reality, we, he couldn't do it on our own. We can't save ourselves. We can't bring revival. We can't build, we can't build this kind of church on our own. We need the hand of God. Six is the number of man. He couldn't make it happen. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. After two, Elijah said, go again. After three, Elijah said, go again. Listen, I don't know how many times you've gone to God on some things in your life, but I'm here to encourage you with a word from God. Whether you're on try one, two, three, four, five, my, my, my word to you today is go again. Go again. Church, hear me. Believe again. Dream again. Push and pioneer again. Forgive again. Love again. Gather again. Thank God for a church that chose to gather again. Thank God for leadership that took the arrows of criticism that people could come to the presence of God again. Church, don't give up in the meanwhile because the seventh time is coming. Six times it was man, but on the seventh time, we stand in the seventh year. Seven represents the number of God. Seven is perfection. Seven is completion. Seven 
Seven is when God gets involved. Come on, we're standing in year seven. We're standing in a moment when God showed up. When no one else could do this, God says, let me show up in New Bedford. Let me use normal people that know how to pray and know how to push, know how to persevere, know how to have faith. You're standing in a seven. You're standing in God's work. We can see it with our own eyes because God got involved. And I want to prophesy with my eyes open, the next seven are going to be greater than the former seven. That this is just the seed of what is to come. On the seventh time, the servant comes back with a different word. He says, there is a cloud. It's small. It's the size of a man's hand, but I can see something. I got hope again. I've got belief again. I think God might be showing up. I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you feel like you are at the end of yourself, go to God again, because I can hear the sound of rain. It's coming on this church. It's coming on this people. You're not at seven yet. Keep going until you see seven. There is a cloud. It's small. But I think God's involved. He understands God always starts small, but he doesn't stay small. He starts small, but he moves it into the supernatural. It was a small cloud, but Elijah knew, no, that's the hand of God. That's not the hand of man, that's the hand of God. And the Bible says all of a sudden that small cloud began to manifest itself into a mighty rainstorm because God is gonna bring rain and restoration on the land of Israel. I believe God wants to bring rain and restoration on New Bedford, but he's gonna do it through some people that know how to pray, that know how to not give up, that know how to show up, that know how to serve, that know how to feed, that know how to believe. He's gonna do it through some people and everyone's gonna stay and say, them? They're a man just like us. Yes, but we prayed fervently. We prayed with a vision. We prayed hard. Don't let the enemy back you down into silence because God loves it when he sees just a small gathering of people. And you might say, this isn't small. This whole place is packed. It's small in comparison to what God is going to do through South Coast. It's small in comparison to the mighty things that God has planned. Look at what Zechariah the prophet says in this, in this verse, chapter 4. He says, for whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice. Goes on to say these, oh, I don't, that's, that's good. That's not my verse. Hold on, let me find my verse. I might have given you the wrong reference, but, my, but I like that part right there. Whoever despised the day of small, maybe that's what God wanted me to preach on. Because whoever's despised, that little church, 78 people, that little church, that little church, what are they going to do? God says, I've already reserved a whole complex. I've already reserved a mighty thing. Whoever's despised the day of small beginnings, I want you to know Ahab did not get the victory that day. Neither did Jezebel. But Elijah got the victory because he did what no one else would do. And he represented God's people. God's heart is for his people. God loves this nation. He loves this city. He loves your children. He loves and he's looking who will stand up for the forgotten, for the despised, for those caught up in injustice who will stand. We stand as Elijah's this day. We say, here we are, Lord. Use us. Send us, Lord. And we will not move on until we see a move from God. We will go until we're standing in seven. Right now, I believe there's many people in this place that maybe you feel discouraged. You feel like you're on the edge of giving up. Maybe you said even to yourself this morning, I'll go to church today, but this is my last attempt. Maybe there's some people in this place where your spirit's grown dry, where your mind has drifted from the things of God, consumed in pleasure and entertainment and avoidance. Maybe it's your first time. You don't understand everything that's going on. It doesn't all make sense to you, but you know that something that's going on here is real. You can sense it. You can feel it. I want to encourage you today that God hears every whispered prayer, every faint cry. God 
His arms are open even now to a church that would turn to him. And not just for ourselves, but we turn to God on behalf of those that don't know how to turn to God. Those that are lost, that followed false idols, got caught up in Jezebel's nonsense, were led by poor leaders. We stand in the gap as the church for a society that's spinning out of control, doesn't know where to turn, cannot save itself, but seems to be drowning. But the church has something to say. The church has something to pray. If you're in this place and you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, today I prophesy to you, go to God again. Go to God again. You might say, well, I was so hurt by church. I'm not asking you to go to church again. I'm asking for you to go to God again. Let God begin to heal your mind. Let God begin to heal that old hurt and that past. Maybe you say, I've got a spirit of confusion on me. I don't know where to turn. Hear me, confusion does not come from God. God's gonna bring clarity into your mind as you begin to kneel before the throne right now. Maybe you say, I feel dry. Well, rain is on its way. But get on your hands and knees and begin to beg God. Take morning and take evening. Take five, ten minutes and begin to say, God, fill my spirit again. Fill my mind again. May this church not just pray for the first two weeks, May we pray this entire year, and when all hope is seemingly lost, when people have no answers, may they run to the refuge city that is the house of the Lord, and may they see what rain looks like. God, we come again before your throne, God. Thank you for the past seven years, but we come again for seven more. Children that know the Lord. Children that love doctrine, have right thinking. Families that are united and connected where there's forgiveness and marriages blossom. A community is safe and strong, built around each other. Yes, may this be a church that looks radically different, not just from the world, but even from many other churches. For we will not follow the spirit of Jezebel, nor the spirit of Ahab, but there is a spirit of Elijah on this church and on these people, that they would stand for righteousness despite the cost. They will stand for God's word despite its, 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 its acceptance by society, and we will pray heaven down on earth. Lord, we come right now, we ask for heaven to come down on the lives of your people and the life of this church. And may there be a mighty rainstorm. Jesus says, I am the living waters. So Lord, we ask for you to come, and God, take us into the future, and we make a decision and dedication we will not go to ourself, our past, our old stuff, our failures. We will not even go to man's wisdom, but we make a dedication today. In all our troubles, all our problems, all the future, we go to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you, church. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share it with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.